I'm so glad you joined us today for worship. Uh, if you can believe it, this is week seven that we've been um, bringing these services to you online, and many of you have been sheltered at home uh, some amount of time in that range, and we know according to uh, our governor, it's going to be at least May 15th until we find out you know, if we're going to enter phase one or what's going to be next. So I know maybe the walls are beginning to close in just a little bit, but I've got a really good word of encouragement for all of us today. Now, before I share that with you, grab something to write with. I've got some important things to tell you that I think are going to really uh, help us all through this time. But let me give you a little update about what's going on around Kingwood Church. We saw a need in our community and, uh, and just reached out. Uh, a convoy of a Hope Truck delivered some groceries and supplies uh, to Camp Springville about an hour away. So we sent some volunteers up to get a lot of the supplies and food. Good. All right. Four, three. I'm so glad you joined us today. Uh, this is week seven, if you can believe it, of our uh, services being brought to you online. And I'm so glad you've been joining us for this. We've been sheltered at home for many, many weeks now. Maybe the walls are starting to close in on you just a little bit. Uh, but I want you to know I got a great word of encouragement for us today, uh, regardless of how much longer we're in this, uh, in this position. But I, I'm glad that you're here. I want to give you a little update about what's been going on around Kingwood Church. We saw a big need in our community, and we reached out this past week to reach it. Uh, Convoy of Hope delivered a whole tractor-trailer load of supplies to Camp Springville in the Trustful area. And uh, we sent some volunteers up to get some supplies. And we reached out to 16 foster care families in our community who either one or both of the parents had lost their job or been furloughed. And so we have, um, thanks to the generosity and the care of people from Kingwood Church, we have supplied those families with a lot of the necessities and food items that they needed. So we want to say a great big thank you to those folks who helped with that. Actually, Facebook has a new emoji. It's like a little smiley face with a heart. So if you want to just uh, push that right now and let the people know who helped us work on that, how much you love them and, uh, and how much you support them, that would, that would mean a lot and give you a chance to use the new emoji for sure too. Uh, also, this week I want you to know we're going to continue to reach out and I want to give you a way that you can help. If you're connected to Kingwood Church at all, you know that our vision is to be a movement of hope. And so we're calling this Wednesday a Wednesday of hope. And here's what we want you to do. Grab some non-perishable food items and bring them to the church Wednesday between 2 and 4 o'clock. We're going to be collecting non-perishable food items because the food banks in our community are running out of food. Now, you might not know this, but the way that a lot of food banks operate is they get the excess food that's left over from grocery stores and supermarkets and all that. But because a lot of people are staying at home, we're, we're buying more groceries and there's less excess. So the people who are suffering right now are the families who depend on food banks. So Mana Ministry right here in Alabaster and Alabama Food Bank in Birmingham, uh, we've connected with them. And we're going to take the things that you bring to our campus this Wednesday and we're going to give it to them so that we can continue to be a movement of hope and help people in our community who need it right now. So that's something everybody can do. Remember, this Wednesday, Wednesday of Hope, 2 to 4 p.m., just bring your items to our campus, go to the drive under by the gym, and uh, we'll be there waiting for you to get the supplies and then help people in our community in need. So thank you for doing that, and thank you for helping us to 
plant seeds of hope right now in a time when a lot of people need it. Now, you, you may have uh, noticed we've been in this series for about, this is our third week. This is the last Sunday of this series. We've just been talking about living with limitations. One of the biggest limitations that I notice we're all living with is uncertainty. I, I just feel around the church and at home, we've been trying to plan for like, hey, what are we going to do in the end of May or June or July? Or what's this fall going to look like? And I don't know if you've tried to do that much with your family or at work, but it, it really is a severe limitation when you say, you know, two weeks from now is really like uh, a year any other time. It's just unpredictable. So one of the limits we're living with is uncertainty. Uh, you may be living with a limitation in your health. Maybe you've had health services that you haven't been able to get to, or we've had people in our church who've lost their job who've been furloughed. And that's certainly a limitation and a disruption, maybe in income and, and also in uncertainty in the future. We've all seen a, a, a limit in our schedule. Our schedules just function completely differently than they did before. And then in mobility. I mean, we just aren't going to as many places and all the places that we went to before. And so we're, we're struggling with these limitations. I, our family has struggled with limitations because for those of you who know our story, my wife has suffered with Huntington's disease for several years now. And it's been sad to watch how the limits of her life have gotten stronger every year. And there's just less that she's able to do. And one thing that I can tell you from being right there with her through this, through this disease and suffering is the longer you face the same limit, the longer you fight it over and over and over, it just gets discouraging because you wonder, you know, how long is this going to last and when are we going to get a break and how, how can I get an edge over this limitation? Well, uh, that's kind of what we're in now, although it's just been seven weeks. You know, when we first started this, when things started to close, for a lot of families, it was like a snow day or spring break. You know, hey, we've got time at home or extra time. But as the weeks have gone by, these limitations are starting to wear on us and the walls are starting to shrink in just a little bit. It's kind of like a long drought. You wonder, you know, when is this going to end? And it's starting to feel like summer humidity that just weighs on you. It's just an extra weight to everything we do. That's the pressure that the limits that we're facing are bringing to us. Well, there's a man in the Bible named Elijah who faced um, similar limitations. He had fought battle after battle after battle, but he never could seem to win the war. He had actually defeated 450 false prophets. But after he defeated them... Um, Queen Jezebel heard about it. Those were her prophets, and she wasn't going to take it. So she decided and put the word out before the sun went down, as surely as she lived, she was going to kill him. Now, he panicked, as most of us would, and he took off running for his life. He ran into the wilderness, ran out in the woods, and he had a few companions with him. He outran them and left them behind and ran further into the woods and hid under a tree. Now, let's just call it, for our sake, um, the tree of quarantine. <laughs> quarantine tree, okay? Well, that's where he's hiding. I've got a question for you today. Where do you hide when things go bad? When the limits that you're facing won't seem to move, the battles you're fighting you can't seem to win, where do you hide? The apostle Peter went back to his old job and decided he would hide in fishing. Uh, Noah, when he was overwhelmed... He went and hid in alcohol. 
Elijah went and hid under a tree. But what about you? Do you hide in, you know, media? Do you, you just keep, maybe you've worn Netflix out. You're just trying to numb out. Maybe you hide in your phone. You know, you just bury yourself in seeing how many notifications you have or whatever. The question is, when you feel bad, what do you do to make yourself feel good? Maybe you hide in pornography. Maybe you hide in entertainment or maybe you hide in bad relationships. You know, maybe you've had some people you know you shouldn't be hanging around or some relationships that are toxic. And when things go bad, you sort of gravitate back to that crowd or to that relationship. Uh, maybe, you, maybe you hide in food. You know, one of the limits we've been facing is we're all kind of trapped at home with stocked up pantries and refrigerators. That's not a good combination. Uh, I, don't, I don't know about you, but, I, you know, I tend to be a stress eater. When I'm stressed, I get hungry. A couple of weeks ago, I, man, I was craving chocolate like, like I never do. How many of you, give me a thumbs up today, you know, if you've been doing some stress eating. And uh, just, just let us know that you're there and can relate. Some of us might even hide an addictive behavior. You know, what are those things that you're going to fall back on to just boost you up and make you feel a little bit better? Uh, man, if that's you or you know someone like that, I want to encourage you this Tuesday night at 7, we've been having crisis conversations and we're having two more um, professionals on this week. And we're just going to talk about addiction in crisis and how does it happen? Why do we do it? How do we conquer it? So I hope that you'll join us for that. But one of the things I noticed that we do when we're, when we're facing that limitation and we get discouraged is, is we look for something to hide from, from the pain to escape kind of a quick fix. And uh, these things generally bring temporary relief, but they make the long-term problems worse. Now, isn't that a paradox? Because of temporary limitations, we actually seek out things that are going to drive us into long-term limitations. I mean, it doesn't make sense logically to our mind, but we oftentimes do it. So this morning, what I want to do is I want to give you four things to focus on when you're, when you're living with limitations. Now, the story is in 1 Kings chapter 19. I just want to read the beginning of what Elijah was going through, verse 4. While he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, let's quarantine tree, sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord. He said, take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and he fell asleep. In other words, he's saying, look, I've had it. I'm done. I'm worn out. And he just collapses. And then all at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then he lay down again. All right, if you have something to write with, let me give you four things that God either does for us to help us or invites us into to do when we're facing limitations. Number one, uh, focus on your health. Let me give you four things to focus on. Focus on your health. I'm so glad that when Elijah was exhausted, when he was tired of fighting the limitation he was fighting, he, that God didn't say, hey, here's a good lecture for you. Let me give you a sermon. If you were a little more spiritual, this wouldn't have happened. Why don't you pray harder? Why don't you pray longer? Isn't it interesting that the very first thing that God did is he fed him and put him to bed <laughs> and let him sleep? Man, that shows me the grace 
and, and, the, and the insight of our God. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is eat a little better and get some rest. I want you to think about that for a minute because we, we, are, we are right in the middle of quite a, quite a crisis and a pandemic, and it's wearing on us more than we think it is. So I want you to know something this morning. Regardless of what you're seeing on social media, it's okay to not be remodeling your whole house. It's okay that you're not living your best life now. It's okay that you're not starting up a new business online while everything's closed. We are in a global pandemic unlike anything we have ever seen before in our lifetime. We don't know when it's going to end. We don't know how much damage it's going to cause. We don't even know what it's doing to us now. I mean, the economic impact and the, and the uh, mental health impact and the relational impact and the health impact on our health. We don't know any of those things. But what I do want you to know this morning is your, what you do to your body affects your spirit, and what you do to your spirit affects your body. You are one person. You are not two different people, a spiritual person and a physical person. So I just want to remind us this morning that our body and our spirit's connected. So if we're not careful, what we're doing at a time like this is like a bank account. We're just spending money on our debit card, but never depositing back in the bank. We're withdrawing from our bodies. We're withdrawing from ourselves emotionally. But if we're not taking time to deposit back in, man, we've got a, we got a crisis coming. We're going to overdraw the account. I was listening a few years ago to a, a well-known counselor in our country, Christian counselor, who works primarily with pastors. And he made a statement that really opened my eyes. He said, uh, I've worked with many pastors who've had moral failures, but I've never worked with one pastor who had a moral failure who wasn't also burned out. And the reason for that is because our body and our spirit is connected. If you don't take care of your body, it will drag your spirit down and cause other problems. So sometimes one of the most spiritual things you and I can do is to, is to rest and eat a little better. The spiritual there's a spiritual cost to mistreating your body because your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So number one, focus on your health. Number two, focus on honest prayer. Have you ever heard someone pray and they, they sound like someone different when they pray than when they talk? They use words they don't or, ordinarily use. They go into a tone they don't use any other time. And they, you know, they kind of sound religious or whatever. Well, I just want to read from verse 10 uh, how Elijah prayed. And I want you to try to hear how does this prayer sound. Does it sound religious or does it just sound honest? Verse 10 He's talking to God. He said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. In other words, I've, I went all in. I did my best. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. What is he saying? I'm the only one left. He's saying, I went all in, and it didn't work. God, I went. He's not just saying that to a friend. He's saying that to God. God, I went all in. On you. I went all in with you. And now here I am running for my life, hiding in the woods under a tree, hoping that this crazy lady doesn't kill me. Like I tried my best. Some of you may feel that way today. You know, I tried my best. And I, I don't know where God was. Have you, ever, have you ever asked God 
questions like that? Have you, ever, have you ever prayed that way? Have you ever told God you were mad at Him? If you've never told God you were mad at Him, you probably haven't prayed honestly because I think everyone has been mad at God at some point. Have you ever asked God or told God that you doubted Him? Have you ever asked God, hey, where were you when this happened or the other thing happened? Have you ever asked God, why didn't you help me with this? Hey, I, I want to ask you to do something real honest today. If you've ever struggled with honest prayer, would you just slide over to the comment section and say, that's me? And when you do that, what's going to happen is our prayer team is going to meet you there, and they're just going to begin to pray for you. And I want to promise you one thing. Everybody who's honest can say at some point in their life they've struggled with honest prayer. And maybe if that's you today, why don't you just say, that's me? And let our prayer team meet you there and begin to pray with you. You know, um, I want you to know something about telling God you're mad at Him or telling God that you doubt Him. I want, you, I want you to know something very important about that, okay? Do you know what that kind of conversation is called? Prayer. It's called prayer. And as long as you're talking to God, you are still walking with God. It doesn't matter what it sounds like as long as it's honest. And so I want to encourage you can be honest. All through Scripture, we see people who are honest with God in prayer. Jeremiah said, these stubborn people that you gave me, they won't listen to what I'm saying or what you told me to tell them. John, when Jesus walked into town, said, are you the Messiah or should we look for someone else? That's pretty honest. Paul the Apostle said, I have this thorn in my flesh. I don't know what to do about it. I've asked you three times to take it away, and you're not taking it away. Jesus even prayed to his father, Take this cup of the cross away from me. I don't want to die on the cross. That's an honest prayer. Honest prayer will change your perspective. And I want to give you an example of how it changed Elijah's perspective in verse 18. God actually answered his prayer when he said, I'm all alone. There's nobody left but me. Here's God's answer to Elijah. He said, yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouth have not kissed him. See, see here, here's what I want you to know. What God was saying is, just because you don't know the 7,000 doesn't mean there aren't 7,000. Just because you haven't met them doesn't mean they are not there. Just because you feel alone doesn't mean you are alone. And Elijah had done a pretty good job isolating himself. How were there 7,000 other people that followed God and Elijah didn't even know them? How is it that Elijah, when he was running for his life with a few friends, told them to stay there and said, No, no, I'm going to go a mile far farther because I want to be by myself. See, Elijah had fully isolated himself, and he was fighting alone. Now, you and I are living in an environment that the easiest thing we can do right now is isolate ourselves. And to be honest, some of us have had forced isolation because of quarantine or shelter at home. Uh, some of you may even live by yourself. And to be, if you're honest, the, the hours are, are lonely. Maybe you're furloughed today or laid off or trapped inside your house with your family and you don't have any contact outside of that. Well, let me give you the third thing to focus on when you're living with a limitation. Number three, focus on relationships. See, here's one of the, one of the things that we're learning again in this crisis. People matter most. You know, one of the saddest experiences that I've ever had in my life is when I have the rare opportunity to attend a poorly attended funeral. 
If you've ever been to a funeral with just a few people, it's a sad commentary because it's oftentimes the life of a person who spent their whole life prioritizing everything else above people. People weren't important to them. Relationships weren't important to them. And it shows up in a moment like that. You know, every week when I come onto our campus, I'm sad when I walk around our building and it's empty. And I, I see places. I see a foyer that used to be full. I see a sanctuary where people used to cry and hug and lift their hands up. And I look at classrooms and, all, and the whole thing. It's sad to me. And here's the reason it's sad to me. Because it's so clear to me in this moment. People are really what make this whole campus valuable. It's not the building, it's not the color, it's not the decoration, it's not the design. It's not any of that. It's, it's people. And that's what I want to remind us of this morning. We're living in a weird environment. You go out into public and people are wearing masks and they're you know, isolating and hiding from each other. And we should do those things that help us to be wise and safe. But it's also creating a suspicion and a fear of people. Now, that's the paradox. We're living in an environment where we're learning to be afraid and concerned about other people, yet we desperately need each other. So what do we do? Well, we've got to get in this idea that we say around Kingwood, life is better together. Life is better together. I'm reminded every time I see someone on a Zoom call, you know, even if you have to connect through technology, Life's better together. I, I was uh, walking through my family room one, one afternoon, one evening, and a, one of my kids was on a Zoom call, and I didn't even know it. And I walked out, you know, half-dressed, and I went, oh, no. You know, that's not, I thought, uh-oh. Well, it doesn't matter when our campus opens. Whoever's on that call is not coming back to church because, you know, they saw their past. Now, fortunately, I wasn't on the screen or anything, but, man, if you photobombed a Zoom call, why don't you just give us a little thumbs up or a smiley face and let us know I'm not the only one that's done it. But every time I see one of my boys on a Zoom call and they're connected to different groups in our church, it excites me because I say, you know what? They're connected. And what's happening in that moment really matters. And they're laughing and talking and asking each other questions. And I say, man, that's really what life is about. Do you know after this event, Elijah went and found Elisha? And he started to share his life and ministry with him. So today you may feel alone. You may say, nobody's going through the marriage issues that we're going through. Nobody's lost a job the way I have. Nobody's, nobody's childhood is as broken as mine was. I just want you to know something this morning. You are absolutely not alone. You're not alone, and you're not the only one going through what you're going through. So I want to encourage you to reach out and connect. Make memories. You know, if you don't know your spouse's love language, learn it and speak it. Make memories with your kids. Reach out and connect. Man, the best way we can help you connect is for you to join our Kingwood community group on Facebook if you're not part of it yet. Man, find it and jump in. Now's not the time to be isolated. Now's the time to connect. Now, I just want to share one more thought with you about uh, what Elijah, what, what God did for Elijah. Number four, focus on God's presence. Now, let's remember for a minute. God fed Elijah. He allowed Elijah to speak honest prayers. He reminded Elijah that he was not alone. And then he gave him what his soul needed most. Verse 11. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Maybe you know this story. A violent wind went by and God wasn't in it. An earthquake rumbled and God wasn't in it. A fire came somehow, and God wasn't in it. But he was in a still, small 
voice, a voice of whisper. I want you to listen to me this morning for a minute. And just if you can, wherever you are watching from, make eye contact with me. For 15 years, I've lived in crisis. And for 15 years, I've struggled with those limitations that I haven't had answers for many times. But I want to tell you the thing that helped me and my family through it the most. It was the presence of God. It was his presence and his voice. And I want you to know something. When I was preparing this sermon, God met me in a special way. And I believe what that means is, is that he wants to meet you today. Yes, we're on video. Yes, you're in your living room. Yes, you're maybe in your pajamas. Yes, maybe you're watching a rebroadcast of this later. I don't think any of that matters. I think God knew all of that before this ever happened. And God knew that he wanted to meet you. So here's what I want to ask you to do simply this morning. If there's something in your heart that says, I need God's presence. Maybe you don't even know how to define it. But what you know inside your heart is, I need something else. I need something more. There's a cry in your heart. There's a longing in your heart. What I want to do this morning is I just want to have a word of prayer with you. And I just want to ask you to open your heart to, to, to open yourself. And would you just say that where you are this morning? Would you, just, would you just pray that? Just say, Lord, I need you. It doesn't have to be complicated. There doesn't have to be any hoops. You don't have to say it in a certain way. Just whisper it right now, wherever you are. God, I need you. God, I need you. Lord, I need your, I need your help. I need your presence. I need your guidance. Just reach out. And let him touch you right now. God, I need you. Lord, I thank you today for the presence of the Holy Spirit that is moving in this moment. God, we surrender our fears. We surrender our, our needs. We surrender our worries. We confess today that we are limited. And Lord, we are more aware now than ever how much we need you. You are the answer. We need to meet with you today, God. So I pray that you would help us to meet with you. Somehow in your soul, if you know you need to meet with God, I just want you to put in the comment section, I need God. That's it. And our prayer team's going to move right to you, and they're going to begin to pray for you, and they're going to lift you up by name. And I'm telling you, please believe me when I tell you, after 15 years of crisis, please believe me when I tell you, somehow, some way, sometime, God is going to show up in your life. It might not be dramatic. It might not be an earthquake. <laughs> it might not be a, hurric a hurricane. It might be a little whisper. But he's going to show up, and that whisper will make all the difference, I promise you. This morning, our, our worship team is going to sing a song that I absolutely love called, I'm going to see a victory. And uh, just before they sing that, I want to give you an opportunity to give today, and I want to say to those of you who've been giving and those of you who may want to give and aren't able to, and maybe some who will decide to give for the first time today, you are absolutely on the front line of this crisis. Not only is Kingwood Church sustaining, but we are actually increasing the impact that our church is making right now, and it's because of you. So thank you from the bottom of my heart for the way that you've been giving. All our platforms are open. You can text a gift in if you want to. You can drop a gift off at our office or mail it in. Tuesday through Thursday we're open. But I, I just want to say this to you. We are not called by God in this time to survive. 
but to thrive and to reach people we've never been able to reach. And so um, if you've been giving, hats off. Thank you so much. If you'd like to give, please continue to do that. It's a giant help to us. Our worship team is coming now, and they're going to sing, I want, I'm going to see a victory. And I believe that with all my heart. God has divinely appointed this moment to touch you and to help us see a victory. God bless you. Thanks for joining us today.